Hello and welcome to Econoday Unplugged. Mark Pender is stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. It's Tuesday the 12th of February 2019, so Abraham Lincoln's birthday. He'd be 210 years young today. And also apparently National Plum Pudding Day. So hello to you, Mr. Pender, and any plum puddings your side of the pond. I thought it was Plum Pudding Day last week. No, I think it was a different it, one last Unless I've got a, the date wrong. It was a different pudding? I stand by to be corrected. Of course, the strange <laughs> thing is that in the UK, the plums in plum pudding aren't actually plums anyway. They're raisins from the old Victorian days when I used to call raisins plums. Wow. However, moving right along then, what do we have this week? Well, amidst increasing signs that the central banks are taking more note of slowing global economic growth, financial markets will be looking to the US-Chinese trade talks on Thursday and Friday for support. The US may have avoided another potentially damaging government shutdown, but in the Eurozone, manufacturing is likely to be confirmed as already being in recession on Wednesday. And just yesterday, we found out that the UK in December suffered its steepest fall in total output in nearly three years. However, it does seem that what was supposed to be another big week for Brexit may, yet again, not be so big after all. So, Mark, then, um, just a few moments ago, I saw that the Bank of England governor, Mark Carney, was warning that protectionism could end the global expansion. So what about these U.S. trade talks then at the end of the week? Well, uh, it's not just the trade talks at the end of the week. It's going to be the government shutdown at the end Indeed. of the week. And I say the fuses are burning. And we also have Brexit. Um, we always kind of assume that we're going to have a happy ending, that all these things are going to be resolved, I think. but uh, And they very well may be. But it, it's unusual to see all these major unknowns uh, having uh, apparent resolution dates uh, that are, you know, uh, fast approaching. Um, it's one week, one thing, one day, the next for the trade talks. It's rough and tumble. Uh, and so it's hard to get, a, a, you know, a, a sense of what exactly is going to happen. The um, president uh, meetings have been uh, canceled and then there's reports that they may be reopened. So, um uh, it's almost really it's very very difficult to find out or to uh, uh, you know to find out what's going to happen and the same thing with the shutdown we heard that there's been a congressional agreement to keep it, to reopen or to keep the government open but um, that hasn't uh, uh, at least played out yet I guess we, we have to find out by the end of the week when a bill has to be uh, in place. Um, so there are all these unknowns. I guess probably the even the probably the biggest one probably will be Brexit, and um, uh, that would I, I would guess have the most significance. And uh, it, are are they? I hate to use the word sanguine, <laughs> but are the uh, you know are the English markets or the uh, UK markets and the continental markets are they just uh, a little bit uh, too optimistic, or is there just an assumption that some something good's going to happen? I guess the assumption is still that there will be some kind of agreement, if only simply because neither side wants to see this, you know, this no Brexit deal. So, i.e., we just have the UK falling out of the European Union at the end of March. Um, and of course, it was supposed to be, I think we were talking last week, this Thursday, 
um, was supposed to be originally another meaningful vote on Mrs May revised Brexit deal. Now, in practice, of course, she hasn't got a new deal with the EU since the EU are sticking by their guns and saying, well, look, we're happy the treaty as it is. It's not renegotiable. And that's it. Take it or leave it. So as things currently stand, come this Thursday in UK Parliament, it looks as if we'll be having a repeat whereby we get the opposition um, parties um, tabling amendments to, well, the new EU deal, but it's basically still the old EU deal since nothing's changed. And then that, if it may or may not go through, we don't know yet. And then Mrs May will be going back to Brussels again to try and get fresh negotiations to come out with a fresh deal, which will be voted on at some point. Uh-huh. But really, in terms of where we stand at the moment, we simply don't know. But I think the honest answer, just in terms of the the short answer to your question is, I think markets are still taking the view that there will be some kind of a deal. But but corporations, companies and individuals who are at risk here uh, can't really have that luxury, right? And uh, um, I saw your report on fourth quarter uh, UK GDP, and uh, it seemed that there was a a visible uh, Brexit effect. Oh, uh, very right. And I think this particular one w- was very interesting. So, as you mentioned, we had the fourth quarter UK economic numbers out yesterday. They actually have the monthly figures now as well. But just looking at the quarterly data, and that showed a, a 0.2% quarter on quarter increase in UK real GDP at the back end of last year. Now, that was down by what? Well, it was down from uh, 0.6% in the third quarter, and it left annual growth at just 1.3%. And that's the weakest we've seen in the UK since the second quarter of 2012. Now, in terms of where you're coming from, and really highlights just what you're talking about, the UK's had a bad run on business investment. Prior to the fourth quarter, it had fallen in each of the previous three quarters during 2018. In the fourth quarter, it fell again. It was down 1.4% on the quarter. And that was not only the fourth consecutive decline, but it's also the steepest of the run. So um, it really does highlight the fact that as far as you know, corporate UK PLC is concerned, they simply don't know what to do. So where they would normally be investing in plant machinery and everything else, they're simply sitting on their hands and not doing it at the moment. Well, you have to think that that, that this pattern would be accelerating right now, right? That the, the first quarter would be even a risk of even greater uh, contraction in, in business investment. I think, I think you're right. At the moment, and to be honest, there's no reason whatsoever to say, you know, for the first quarter that, that you know, we're likely to see any kind of improvement investment because why should we? Effectively, not only has nothing really changed, but we're close than ever you know, to, to the March deadline. We're what, as I speak now, we're 45 days away. So I think, you know, as now we're starting to get some talk in the UK about the possibility of a UK falling into recession. And just to highlight realistic, you know, just how big a chance that is, as mentioned, we had the fourth quarter GDP numbers out. We have the December data as well. And the December figures showed, the monthly numbers showed a 0.4% decline in UK total output. And that's the steepest fall we've seen on a monthly basis since what, going back to March 2016. Uh-huh. So really, I mean, it sets a pretty poor base for, you know, the, the poor base for the start of 2019. It really doesn't look too good at the moment. Now, just a quick aside, the um, monthly GDP, that uh, it's released the same time as the quarterly. And um, what does that give you the ability then to judge within a quarter how the momentum looked? 
Well, what it is, certainly before, I mean, as of, well, as we speak today on the Tuesday, on Monday, we got the quarter in December. Last month, we had the monthly data for November. So we're now, when we're trying to forecast or, you know, have a guess at what the fourth quarter date is going to be, you've already got two months there in the first place. Uh So when the December number comes out, obviously, that's the third month to get quarterly as well. So it does give you a much better feel on how, you know, how the economy is evolving over the quarter. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it also shows you the monthly profile. And you can look at fourth quarter, 0.2%. Well, it could be a lot worse. It could have been a negative. Well, yes, it could have been. If you look at the profile of GDP during a quarter, it ended up in a right raw mess. Do they give you the full components each month? Well, we don't. We only get a breakdown in terms of the major output components. So we don't have any of expenditure components. So it is it is based upon the output data. Has any of this Brexit effect been apparent in Europe? Now, Europe's having troubles too, but uh, is there? Uh, are they too uh, uh, constraining uh, investment? Well, investments held up rather better um, in the eurozone. Although it's it's got to be said, when you look at growth in the eurozone, it's it's looking pretty horrible at the moment. And in the sort of you know the intro I mentioned um, about what's going on in manufacturing, and um, just last week we heard that German industrial production that was down in December 0.4 percent, and that was its sixth fall in the last seven months. It also means that alongside Italy, the German manufacturing sector is now in technical recession. On Wednesday, we'll get the full Eurozone industrial production data. And unless we see, ignoring any possible revisions, you know, December would need to see a monthly increase in Eurozone industrial production in excess of 3% just to keep the fourth quarter flat. So it looks virtually guaranteed that, to all intents and purposes, you know, Eurozone industrial goods product producing sector is already in recession. So, you know, when we talk about your side of the pond where by and large, you know, the economy seems to be doing pretty well, you know, compared to the Eurozone, well, Eurozone's really struggling at the moment. I've got to ask, in, sorry, yeah. About, uh, uh, Italy recession, when we, when we say that, are, what is it the whole economy that's uh, in recession? Is it the industrial sector that's in recession? Yes, and yes. Italy have big problems. Um, Italy is actually in a proper full-blown economic recession as of the fourth quarter. Um, it's only a mild one. In the third quarter, we saw uh, GDP contracting. It's only 0.1%. It was down another 0.2% in the fourth quarter. Of course, two successive quarters, in economists speak, e- equals a technical recession. And it's particularly important for Italy because, of course, you know, we're talking about a country which has been you know, scrambling to try and reduce an overshooting budget deficit. It's got this new government which doesn't really want to reduce the deficit in the first place. And so now we've got the potential for weak growth equals higher borrowing. I mean, full stop. So the EU Commission is not going to like it. So the potential political friction there is going to continue to build. And indeed, just today I was reading a piece talking about the, you know, the composition of the Bank of Italy. There's three of the five Bank of, in- Bank of Italy gov- board governors, um, their positions will be up for renewal or replacement um, between now and I think it's the end of May. And the new government is already looking for scapegoats to blame for why Italy is in recession. So we could see some kind of shift there on the board of the Italian, you know, the Bank of Italy, which makes it perhaps a little bit more friendly towards, you know, government's more reflationary policies. So what's happening in Europe in general, let alone in Italy at the moment, could have some quite far-reaching ramifications. Well, uh, just real quickly, let's talk about the central banks. We had the uh, Bank of India last week surprisingly cutting weight rates. Uh, Australia held steady, but some of the comments coming out 
Uh, we're talking about rate cuts at New Zealand uh, meets tonight. Uh, it seems, and of course, the Fed shifted on its, you know, made its shift at the end of last month. Um, you know, it, it seems like the global rates are going down. I think you're right, as you say. But I mean, the move out of the the RBI, the Reserve Bank of India, is particularly interesting because, uh, as we touched on last week, it is now a much more politically focused central bank, uh, given the change we had in the governorship at the end of last year. And this surprise 25 basis point cut. I mean, I suppose we've got to say the rupee actually held up relatively well on it. It was only sold off a little bit initially, um, but it really does raise a question mark over you know the independence and the credibility of the central bank as we go forward. Um, the other thing which I think was notable of that is that they've revised down, you know, the central bank's revised down its growth and inflation forecasts. Alongside that, the Bank of England came out last week, no changes in policy per se, as we expected. But again, they hacked down their growth forecast by half a percentage point as far as um, 2019's concerned. And, and if they're right, it's going to be one that, you know, the weakest periods of growth we've seen as far as the UK is concerned for some considerable while. And I think, as you already mentioned, the RBI have already revised down their forecasts. The RBNZ, which will meet uh, Wednesday evening, or uh, sorry, Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning um, in New Zealand time, they're widely expected to revise down their forecasts as well. So as you say, this, you know, this whole global economic outlook appears to be being massaged weaker and weaker now. So, and what, yeah. is that, that, what does that mean for investors? So a plus is lower rates. Uh, will help stimulate uh, uh, growth and and raise demand for uh, higher yielding uh, assets, but at the same time, the 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 downside or the, is it a perfect balance? Is that growth itself is slowing? So. Uh, I think that's right. I mean, of course, it's easier for your side of the pond. I mean, at the moment, I think, you know, you, perhaps you can talk up the US economy. Okay. It's not doing too badly. But no. in terms of Europe, if you think about the starting point here, well, the ECB already has still a zero refi rate. So its benchmark, if you like, Fed funds rate is at, is already at zero. So, you know, we're going to start going back into, well, going into negative rates as far as the refi is concerned, which we've never uh -huh. seen in terms of continental Europe before. Uh -huh. So, you know, it, it comes back to, are we going to have to see more balance sheet manipulation and that's something i must say i just like to you know to, to ask you about it seemed from what i saw from the last fomc meeting that rather than just sticking to the guns of will allow you know the assets to roll off uh, the fed balance sheet as they mature um it's almost hinting at perhaps they're prepared now to start using balance sheet manipulation with a view to doing whatever they might need to for, for the U.S. economy, uh, instead of perhaps having to move on interest rates. And what do you think about that? Well, yes, I, but Jerome Powell has uh, expressed uh, a priority for rate um, movements in the federal funds rate uh, as, the, as the chief policy tool. Uh, and the QE, uh, if, it, if they do step back and start limiting uh, uh, their uh, roll-off, uh, that uh, you know, that's going to have more of an indirect effect, and it uh, it might not uh, play as well for the press and or for the public. And Jerome Powell makes a very uh, uh, stresses it very important that uh, really one of his chief roles is a communications, is uh, communicating Fed policy. And QE is a little bit uh, mysterious, <laughs> and so it's much it's much more clear. Uh, for the public view to come in with uh, a rate decision. Now, whether that would be a rate cut, I mean, it's all possible. It's, it would be based on incoming data. 
Uh, however, that like you were saying, the incoming data isn't that weak. There has been dislocations in the consumer uh, market, um, uh, big, uh, in part because of the shutdown. We're going to get re- a delayed retail sales from uh, December on Thursday, and the Econoday consensus is only for a zero point one, but just a very negligible gain. And for the core rates, a, a, a better gain at zero point four. But overall, it's not a, a huge, uh, uh, you know, uh, str- st- the strength of the uh, econ- the U.S. economy right now isn't uh, reflecting the unusual, uh, enormous strength of the employment report, just this, uh, of the employment, uh, the labor market. Just this morning, we got uh, Joel's data and job openings there uh, shot up uh, to 7.335 million um, and that with, what we're looking at, the comparisons that we're looking at are how many people are, work, are, are looking for work uh, or how many, how many people have they hired, for instance. That's an, another look. And that's at uh, 5.907 million. So that's way down. Way, that's a, a large separation yeah, between those two. And it's, and it's roughly the same between those actively looking for work. And if you just look at the year-on-year totals, it's 29.4%. For job openings increased from this time last year versus only a 7.1% gain for hire. So it's really a, a labor market that is just just enormously strong. Employers are really having a, 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 a long uh, a time finding um, people that that fit. And it's uh, and you can see it in the separations. The discharge rate is really very very low. So um, it hasn't. It hasn't equated to inflation uh, yet. We're getting inflation numbers this week, and the, the whole lot of them, CPI, PPI, and import-export prices, but oil is the dominant factor really there. Uh, everything, uh, it, it looks just uh, very, very flat. So uh, there is no uh, inflationary warning for the Fed yet, and I guess that's also you know the global situation too. It seems like globally inflation is just uh, maybe uh, on the downside. So which would point to lower rates. Indeed. Okay. Um, I guess we've been talking long enough, but just before we disappear, I should quickly mention, just just continuing this theme, um, on Wednesday we'll be getting the fourth quarter GDP GDP figures, if I can say it, out of Japan. Um, obviously, it's still one of the largest economies in the world, so one worthwhile keeping an eye on. Um, in the third quarter of last year, GDP contracted 0.6% or 2.5% at an annualized rate. Expectations are for a rebound of about 0.3%, which would still be relatively soft uh, given what happened in the previous quarter. But the key thing there, partly as we've been talking about earlier, I think will be to you know, keep an eye on what's happening to capital expenditure. Uh, that was down. 2.8% in the third quarter. And if we don't see a significant rebound at the back end of last year, you know, we're going to start worries coming through about you know, Japan joining the club of a slowing global economies. So that's something very much to keep an eye on there. All right, then. Um, do you think we're done? I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Time to, have your, time to have our pudding. Indeed, I'll say that's that's about it for today then. And don't, of course, forget it is Valentine's Day on Thursday, although it doesn't look very likely that Mrs May will be finding much love in the UK Parliament. Anyway, on behalf of myself, uh, Mark and myself, thanks for listening for always. Enjoy your plum puddings and we'll be back again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>